Okay, well, let's have a look at Philippians chapter 4. Uh, it starts off, uh, and I want to pick up from verse 4, it starts off with a very pointed command that Paul gives us. And uh, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. This is something that he has said several times, both in chapter 3, then he repeats it again in chapter 4, and makes an underline of it to say, and again I say, rejoice. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I read the book of Philippians, I find myself just absolutely amazed at Paul's joy, his expectancy, his, uh, his confidence in what God's going to do in the future. Here he is, he's in prison, and he has every right to believe that uh, things are slowing down, but instead he has this uh, amazing optimism of what God is going to do. And I've asked myself the question, if I were in his shoes, or even in the lockdown that we've experienced, uh, would I uh, respond the same way, or have I responded the same way in our current circumstances? And I'd have to say, this is an area that I'd like to grow in. It's an area where I just know that I want to have the same thinking, the same uh, expectation as Paul. And so right through this chapter, chapter 4, we get insights into how we too can have the same kind of expectancy. Rejoice simply means uh, be joyful in the Lord or take delight in the Lord. It's not waiting on everything to align. This is something you can have right now. You don't have to wait for things to come into place. You don't have to wait for uh, you know, your financial well-being. You don't have to wait for things to align in your business. You don't have to wait for your health to be in the right place. You don't have to wait um, for God to answer a prayer the way that you had hoped he'd answer the prayer. He's saying you can have joy right now simply because it's in the Lord. It's in who he is. In fact, we find that this kind of idea is picked up in Habakkuk uh, chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Let me read it to you. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Notice there's not much good going on here. He says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Here the writer of Habakkuk picks up on something. It's not dependent on your circumstances. It's completely dependent on very purposefully rejoicing in who God is, taking your joy from Him. In fact, he says his strength comes out of this kind of joy in seeking God out in this way. So let me say this, when someone has lost their joy, it's normally an indicator that they have lost their sight of Jesus. When someone has lost their joy, it's an indicator that they've lost their sight on Jesus. Look, there, there are times where, uh, you know, that's totally right to be mourning the loss of something. But here, generally, uh, we can take that joy is available at any circumstance. And so Paul gets ready to, to unpack this, and we're going to look at verse 6 in just a moment. Uh, but leading up to that, he says, um, let your gentleness be evident to all. And it's kind of underlining everything that he wrote about in chapter 2. In chapter 2, he talks about the humility of 
following uh, Jesus in a way that serves others in love and that that becomes the evidence to others that the gospel is rich and beautiful. And so he says uh, in underline, he's drawing back from a previous uh, a previous statement that he had made around not grumbling or uh, and being content in what we have. And he says, humble yourselves in this way. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This is actually the foundation for where uh, we need to be to change our thinking, to become like Paul with joy and expectancy. It's to actually come from a position of humility. Humility uh, is in a way, an allowance of being, I guess, flexible and malleable, uh, to allow God to write what He needs to write on our hearts. It's the opposite of being hard-hearted or proud or a fool who thinks that they know everything that they need to know and they're not willing for anybody else to really uh, give them any more information to download on. But for us to actually change our thinking, we need to come from a position of humility so we're going to read uh, verse 6, and I'd really love it if uh, you could read this uh, at home out loud with me, because I think this is one of the key verses in this chapter that uh, I'd love for you, uh, if anything, to go away from this sermon having heard this particular verse. Let's read together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The times I get anxious uh, are the times I've become more attentive to the needs that I, I have uh, that are yet to happen or uh, things that, um, that could happen, the what-ifs in life. And I begin to meditate on all the things I have no control over. And anxiety comes when we try to control things that are really outside of our grid of control. I've been reading a book recently from Erwin McManus, and it's a great book for anybody who's looking for an encouraging book. It's called The Way of the Warrior, and he writes really about how to get your peace. And uh, I just wanted to quote something from his book. Uh, he, he makes a statement of how to notice when you're trying to gain control over your life. It comes out in these certain ways. He says, envy. It's what uh, we want the life that, it's when we want the life that isn't ours. We're trying to control our circumstances to gain something that we don't have any control over. Greed is when we want to possess what isn't ours. Insignificance. It's trying to find worth uh, dependent on what others think of us. Again, it's, it's outside of our control. Loneliness. We're searching for love rather than giving it. And he goes on to say, all external forces that war against peace, people living a life trapped in their past or crippled by the prospect of their future, uh, you lose the present when you hide from your past and run from your future. Such a significant insight into what happens when we're trying to find our control in life by either drawing from the past pain that we have or uh, fearing what could happen in the future or doubts that we're holding on to rather than living in the present. Anxiety does not allow you to live in the present. Every encounter with Jesus is coming back to Him from our future fears, our past pain, and knowing Him in the present. You'll find it very difficult to know Jesus in your present uh, if you are still living in your past or your future. 
In fact, your past pain could be hijacking your healthy thinking. Your future fears could be uh, overrunning your healthy thinking. If you find yourself living in a world of cynicism, negativity and distrust, then you have closed the doors to what is possible in God and reduced it down to your own control. All these things are elements of our own control. They're fruit that we bear when we're trying to place things in our own control. And it really doesn't lead us anywhere. It doesn't produce anything that uh, changes the results of control over our world. And so Paul gives us an insight into how to pray. In this verse, he says, pray uh, and petition, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, and present requests. So petition, thanksgiving, and requests. He sandwiches thanksgiving in the middle of prayer and petition and giving our requests. And I think he's done it very intentionally because we actually find that what we need most is actually a change of uh, attitude around who God is uh, in the midst of our prayer life. It reframes our world into what God has done, who He is, the promises He has, and it builds our faith up so that when we pray, we're praying with expectation, with confidence. Thanksgiving has a transforming effect on our thinking. If you want to move from anxiety to confidence, learn to be thankful often. Learn to be thankful often. Remember His greatness through listening to worship. Remember the testimonies of things that He's done in the past. Remember prayers that have been answered, whether it's your prayers or even friends of yours who have had prayers answered. Remember uh, how He has given you prophetic words. Remember the words that He's written in His scriptures. All of these things are a cause for great joy and thanksgiving. It will change your mindset completely. So take a moment and ask yourself, where am I at? Where's my thinking at? Is it healthy? Is it in a place where I'm leaning in on who God is and what He's done for me? Or is my thinking replaying all the things that are unhealthy for me? Maybe you find yourself grumbling or complaining or uh, trying to change the results of where things are at and at a loss you're exhausted, you're frustrated and you just know I'm being called by Paul, by Jesus to a new way of thinking. Do you know there are even apps and retreats that you can go to around mindfulness and uh, mindfulness really is a kind of a new word for me. I think it's been around for a while but it's a searching for peace. People are looking for a way to get peace in in their lives and they use techniques like self-reflection and thanksgiving and gratitude Uh, and they also go to uh, new age kind of things like Buddha and yoga and really it's all for a search of finding peace Uh, and in fact they find themselves uh, really in a place where they're looking to something to find their peace they're looking to some way to to gather that uh, but they they can't find it in a a long-term effect it's the kind of thing that uh, ends and and starts with you the thing i find fascinating about mindfulness when it comes to thanks Uh, thanksgiving or thankfulness uh, you don't give thanks to yourself you're not saying uh, you know your gratitude because you've done it 
normally you're saying thanks to somebody that's outside of you. And I'd like to suggest that thankfulness actually belongs with uh, looking to God who is above and beyond you. He holds uh, everything in His control. And uh, I think it's, it's fascinating that people would uh, find themselves giving thanks for things that perhaps uh, they, they don't know exactly who they're giving thanks to. Well, we read on in verse 8 and 9, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here he's talking about what you fix your thoughts on. The truth of his word, the promises that he has, the ways of God, the nature of God, seeing the hand of God through somebody else who's serving one another. All these things, uh, choose to make them a part of your new way of thinking. If you want to know how to get the joy that Paul has and the expectancy he has in prayer, then learn the art of thankfulness. Added to this is an intentional bringing to memory what you have learned or received from those that God has placed in front of you. They might be your life group leader. They could be your youth leader. They could be uh, your pastors or um, those that, that God has given you in, in front of you. Maybe they're, they're even family members that you look up to. They could even be somebody that you... Uh, love reading about and you've heard their story over and over and they encourage you but look up to those who set the example for you of Christ's likeness Paul says come and follow me as I follow Christ and it's a bit of a strange thing in Australia I think uh, for people to ask come follow me but we might say something like come and follow the Christ-like things in me find people that you can model off because what you're doing is you're taking a hold of what is God-like in them, that is promises of who God is, and you're delighting in that, knowing that it's, if it's of God, then it's also for me. Uh, I keep on reading a book uh, that I think I've read about three times now. It's on my bedside table, and uh, it's a book that's written uh, as an interview between Bill Johnson and Randy Clark, and I really look up to both of these guys, and the book goes through an intimate detail of how they first got on the track to healing and what God was doing in their life, how they pursued God in the midst of all these things, some of the obstacles they faced. And uh, one in particular stands out where Randy Clark says uh, they were at a healing meeting and there were certain people there, one in a wheelchair, one who had MS. And he was just uh, so upset that, um, you know, a godly upset that he, he didn't see a healing for those two guys. And so he went away and he said, God, I've got to get away and, and fast and pray because I would love to see you move. I know it's possible in you. It's not possible through me. After fasting for some time, uh, he began to minister again and he saw God move in powerful ways where there was breakthroughs. They saw people come out of wheelchairs. They saw MS healed. And uh, as I read that, it just encourages me again and again and again to keep pursuing Jesus. Have those people around you. Have their, their stories, their testimonies. Fill your mind with those things. It's so important. Make it a habit of turning your thinking to such examples. Uh, there are others uh, that are watching you and they're waiting for you to actually lead them. They're, they might be your peers. They might be um, family members. And they're looking to see Jesus in you. 
They're looking to see the hope of God in you. And I want to encourage you to step in to being people who uh, lead as one who is looking to Jesus. I love the other week, Mark Newman had, um, had uh, texted into our chat line uh, saying that, uh, so the mature are those who uh, simply are looking to experiment with God, to encounter Him. They don't have to be super spiros. I love the fact that our maturity is not based around how much we know, but it's based on our pursuit of Jesus. So it all starts with a change of thinking, thankfulness, and uh, also coming into remembrance of all the things that God has done. And then I want to give you an insight into how Paul operated, some of his thinking. And we find in verse 12 and 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Notice he says, I've learned the secret of being content. This is a mindset. This is a, a healthy thinking. Uh, Paul is content. And, and the reason why is that he set his, his heart, he set his mind on Christ. He's, he's rejoiced in the Lord. He's made his joy and his delight in who he is. And that's where his contentment comes from. Do you know, in Paul's day, uh, there were the Stoic philosophers who um, used to use this word content, but for a different meaning. They used to use the word content to describe somebody who was self-sufficient. Uh, here, Paul uses this word uh, not to describe someone as self-sufficient. He describes as somebody who, is, who finds his sufficiency in God. There's a difference. And so he says our contentment should be in the same way, finding our sufficiency in God. The ability to be content comes from the anchor point of the promise that he says in verse 13. I'll, I'll read it out to you again. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. His anchor point is in what God can do, not in what he can do. So we could say this. We're not waiting on certain things to show up before we can be content. We are content with what we have because we are content in what God has. Let me just repeat that to you again. We are content with what we have because we are content in what God has. Paul gives us even more basis for contentment and rejoicing. And he says in verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You see, all the needs that we have are met by Jesus Christ. There's not one need that is uh, overlooked or impossible for Jesus. Jesus has the name above all names. He's sitting on the throne. He is one who has been given uh, all authority and power to go with that authority. Jesus uh, has no difficulty meeting your needs. I just want to encourage you with some of the things that Paul has said. It's a change of thinking. And I want to double back to uh, verse 7. And in fact, he says uh, this very thing in the end of verse 9. But let me read to you verse 7. And the peace of God, this is the result of placing our joy, uh, rejoicing in the Lord and bringing all things to him in prayer with thanksgiving and meditating on the things of who God is. This is the result of it. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your hearts. 
this is a bit of a paradox that uh, peace would guard. Uh, to guard something is in a similar vein to uh, being a warrior's duty. And it's, it's funny to think of peace that is like a warrior that guards your hearts and your minds. So we're commanded to rejoice, that is to turn our attention to the Lord and marvel in Him. Uh, we're commanded to uh, give thanksgiving. We're commanded to bring all requests to Him in this manner and to meditate on Him. Our part is to rejoice in the Lord, but His part is to bring us peace. That's awesome news. I can rejoice in the Lord and it's His job to bring His peace. His peace is beyond all understanding. It's not like what the world gives. It's not temporary peace. It's not peace that is of my own making. It's not peace that comes with just certain circumstances around me. It's peace that goes beyond all those things and nothing that I can describe to you other than experiencing it yourself with Jesus being your joy. He becomes your peace. Jesus promised this to his disciples. He said in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus gives a peace that the world cannot give. I want to encourage you, the whole reason why a mindset change, your thinking, a new thinking, that, that is so beneficial for you. One of the whole reasons for this is because not only will you pray with faith, but you receive a peace that surpasses all understanding. That no matter what you're facing, no matter what your circumstances are, every single situation gets met with His peace. It becomes the byproduct of your joy in Him. So if we base our prayer life out of what He hasn't done, then our anxiety will only increase and we will have no peace. We need to have a change of thinking. I want to come out the other end fully expectant, fully confident of what God's going to do, fully alive in Him, full of fire and His joy, and full of His peace. And I want that for you as well. So if you've lost your peace, then you have lost sight of how great God is. Bring yourself back to rejoicing, delighting in who God actually is who He is for you. Remember all the things He's done. Even if you have to borrow from somebody else's testimonies and somebody else's answered prayers. If you have shut up shop where you will not serve others or partner with them in the gospel, it's because you have lost sight of just how deep the coffers are of the treasuries of heaven. It's time to advance. If you are not advancing, you have settled. And I want to encourage you to take this time to advance. It may not look like you're advancing when you're just changing your thinking, but I can tell you it will prepare you. It will ready you for expectant prayer, for faith-filled prayer, for seeing God's peace right now. And you'll find that things are advancing beyond what you ever thought was possible. So I want to do something that's a little bit different to what we've done in some of our other uh, sermons. And I'm going to uh, just lead you through just a bit of an imagination kind of um, thought. I just want you to imagine for a moment that Jesus is flicking through saved movies on the screen of your mind. These movies could range from feel-good movies to frightening movies. Um, in there you, you have movies that are of past times God has answered prayers. Some are about 
Some are about the good things he has done in your life, but then some are of painful memories. Maybe they're horror films of sorts. Some are negative things said about you. Some are unanswered prayers. Some are uh, abandonment and uh, things that were um, taken from you. Some are possible future outcomes. Then Jesus asks you this question. Which movies do you play the most? Just take a moment and then go on and tell him in your own way. Which movies do you play the most? Then the next question he asks after this is, which movies do you know are not healthy for you? Take a moment to respond to him. and Give him the details of the movies that you just know, the things that you remember again and again that you just know are not healthy for you. Finally, he asks the question, are there any of these movies that you want me to take for you? Just be intentional with it, with cleaning out your cupboard of movies and give them to Jesus. They may even be the most watched out of all of them. It's time to hand them over. You thought Jesus was done, but then he turns around and now gives you some new movies. Some are worship songs. I wonder what song he has for you at this moment. Some are promises he has made. Some are psalms or scriptures that will encourage you in this season. Some are testimonies of others.